0: From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Seren. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Carlos Kajina is our technical producer, and Ryan White is our live stream producer. Please check out the YouTube channel, Strange Planet, and the Rumble channel, Richard Serrett, Strange Planet. Coming up in the second hour, business leader, intuitive, spiritual teacher, Gail Lynn will be here. She's the inventor of the harmonic egg, a sound and light chamber that's used for physical, mental, emotional, psychological, and spiritual healing. This hour, the pandemic... Shutdowns, riots, political unrest, vaccinations, the mark of the beast, and the sleeping church. How are all these things connected? The modern world has uh, seen unparalleled challenges, circumstances, and travesties between the pandemic of COVID-19, ensuing shutdowns, riots, economic strains, unprecedented political upset, and even cosmic disturbances and natural disasters, some with a biblical worldview citing prophetic implications as the source of current difficulties, while others stated that 2020 was a uniquely difficult year. However, are greater strands at work beneath the surface of the population's difficulty? Are these hardships all components within a larger satanic plot? If so, surely the church will identify this malevolence and intervene on behalf of humanity, right? Right? Or will it? That's where we're headed for the next hour. Donna Howell is the current managing editor and writer-researcher for Defender Publishing and a former CEO of Anomalous Publishing. Donna is the best-selling author of Handmaiden's Conspiracy, Radicals, Final Fire, and Redeemed Unredeemable. She has also recently co-authored Encounters with Ali Anderson-Henson and Afterlife with Ali and Josh Peck. Allie Henson is a credentialed private investigator that oversees the research arm of Skywatch TV and Defender Publishing. Her exploratory works have appeared in numerous books, documentaries, magazines, and television specials. Recent contributions include her bestsellers, Time Bomb, and Unscrambling the Millennial Paradox. And Donna and Allie's latest is Dark Covenant, How the Masses Are Being Groomed, to embrace the unthinkable while the leaders of organized religion make a deal with the devil. Donna Howell and Allie Hansen, welcome. How are you? Good to be back. Hi. Thank you very much. Hi Richard. Thanks for having us. Oh my pleasure. This is a uh, pretty controversial stuff, because right out of the gate you accuse the Western Church Christianity, the Western Church, of being a cult. First of all, let's define some terms. What do you mean by a cult?
1: Yeah, okay, so there is actually kind of a definition debate going on with the word cult, uh, because what one man might call a cult, another man might call uh, a responsibly experienced religion. And so you do kind of have to play the terms game to get to the bottom of what that actually means. So just starting at the beginning and going briefly giving you the, mo- the one-minute version, cult in a dictionary is defined as a system of religious beliefs and ritual regarded as unorthodox, spurious, or dangerous. Uh, but when you trace the word cult all the way back to the very, very beginning to, the, to its etymological root, the etymology is the study of the, uh, the origin of words, if you go all the way back to the very beginning and see how it connects to other words like cultivated and culture and so on, what you see is you see these nomadic groups settling in different places. Not all of them were uh, adherents of Yahwism or Judaism. They weren't all particular uh, one religion versus another, but wherever they settled, their uh, the religion that they, as a people, came together to worship forward with, whenever somebody turned their back on that religion by no longer putting in their head, their heart, or their spirit what they were required to in order to be consider, considered uh, a follower of that religion, they were considered to be a part of a a, a a a group that had turned its back on their own culture or their cult. So when I say... When I, Donna Howell, say that the the Western Church is becoming a cult, everybody gasps. Everybody goes, oh my gosh, that's a shocking thing to say. But a lot of preachers have come before me and have said that our Church is becoming apostate, and nobody has a problem uh, accepting that. Now, by apostate... Uh just to define very briefly in second thessalonians two three it says the apostasy comes first, and then the Antichrist appears. It's referring to an end time one world kind of global religion that is going to be uh led by the Antichrist with the mark of the beast, and so everybody's familiar with that. The church prepares the way for him by embracing the apostasy, it's the turning of our back on the the Church that belongs to not just our culture, because that is what the word originally meant, but now as it pertains to Christianity, the, defini- the definition of the word cult and the definition of the word apostasy become synonymous. They mean the same thing. So when we have people that are saying, oh no, the Church is becoming apostate, we are becoming that Christless." less church that is going to become the church of the end times everybody goes yeah yeah i agree but if you say it's a becoming a cult everybody goes oh. so when you when you look at that you have to re- remember that revelation defines these as the same thing now how do you know there's there's a little bit of a how do you know when you're a part of a cult type scenario and everybody says well, I don't know, because what one man thinks is a cult, another man thinks is healthy religion. No, there is a very specific, definite line, and it goes like this. When you no longer can, can, can recognize what is a part of your religion from your heart and from your memory, when you can no longer recognize something that contradicts that, you are no longer a part of that religion in its full level of adherence. In other words, the way that I recognize when there is a false teacher is because I read my Bible. Now, alarmingly, only 13% of all Christians in the West read their Bibles regularly. Only 13%, which means that 87% of Christians are primed so that when the man of sin or even, uh you know, a, a, a nutty uh pastor comes into their local congregation and starts preaching something that is a false word, 87% of us are primed to accept whatever that teacher is saying. That is what a cult is before. Because remember, almost all cults that we recognize today, we think Charles Manson, we think, you know people, uh, Jonestown, we think these crazy big examples. Well, yeah, those guys look crazy, yes, but they started as innocent worship groups, and the only way they became something more dangerous was by blindly following a leader. And we, when we only 13% of us the Christians in the West read the Word, that means 87% of us are primed to accept the claims of such a leader." And the statistics, by the way, they're they're horrible. Only 41 to 43 percent of Christians, professing Christians in the West, consider Scripture to be accurate. 63 percent say God is not the provider of the truth and the Bible can't be trusted. These are professing Christians. 46 percent believe that Jesus sinned while he was on earth. 65 percent deny the incarnation of Christ, believing that Jesus is a being whom God created. 47% 47% in the millennial age bracket believe that evangelism is morally wrong, as it may pressure to someone, someone to change faith. And of course, you know, they don't understand that, that what they're actually right. confusing is proselytization with evangelism. These are alarming numbers.
0: They are. How did, so how did this happen? Is this the fault of congregations? Was it deliberate? Was the church leadership infiltrated? There's a documentary now that's out, and I heard it advertised on Patriot Radio, and it's about how, you know, wokeism has infiltrated the church. And so you hear people in the pulpit talking about, you know, how it's not good enough for Christians to denounce racism. They have to embrace anti racism and all of these, you know, woke terms. Did it come from the bottom up or the top down?
1: Well, I can tell you that again, going back to Second Thessalonians two three, it does specifically say the apostasy comes first and then the Antichrist appears. So what's happening is it's kind of it's kind of a leaderless cult in this sense that what's happening right now is bottom up. The people have been in a very, very great country for a very long time. Their mommies and daddies read the Bible for them and they brought them up teaching them whatever they needed to hear. Now we're all the way flipped to the other side where we're in a postmodernist culture. There is no definite moral truth. There is you know everything is this, what is your truth, what is my truth and and it's become offensive to say, "I do actually know what the truth is, and it's found in this book, and nobody can shake me from that conclusion. so the Bible is slowly becoming hate speech, which makes Christians feel a little bit less bold because even the most sincere ones don't know how to do, uh, don 't know what to do with the fact that their very religion has become offense to culture, so it is kind of a bottom up problem. And what we're doing is we're creating a leaderless cult here. If cults begin as innocent worship groups, and and we we visited that a moment ago that they do, then lazily position themselves to accept the brainwasher by either being too either being too busy. I do understand some of it is not laziness. Some people are just trapped with time to be part of the 87% that don't read the Bibles regularly, then the West is building the cult backwards. We're already accepting teaching that comes from the leaders whose theology is factually a train wreck, and we will not right. recognize that for what it is. So it's going to grow okay, so up to the top. Okay, so
0: when the Antichrist arrives and we all say, well, we're not going to be deceived because it says right in Revelation that he will blaspheme and he will declare himself... To be the one true God, we've been warned. So there's no way that we're going to be deceived. It's We've been warned. But if I right. hear what you're saying correctly is it's going to be far more subtle than that. And because we don't know the Bible, we are going to be easily deceived.
1: Yeah, we need to remember that what we are talking about when we talk about the Antichrist the Bible is very clear that this is the most deceptive man in the history of all humanity. And this is going to be, and what he preaches, what he stands for is going to be the greatest deception in all time. So when you look at how a cult happens and you look at the formation of a cult, where they go from a, an innocent worship group to something else under a leader like Manson or whatever, What happens is, and our book takes a brief look at at many cult leaders of the recent past, including uh, 12 messianic claimants and their psychology and their indoctrination and exploitation maneuvers. And a common approach to manipulation to give you, again, the short download version, the first thing they do is they establish the Bible as the final word on every situation. So far, so good. That's mm. going to get a lot of Christians believing and listening. The second thing they do is they very subtly twist that scripture to fit the programming and the agenda of the cult leader. And so that the third thing they can do is shame anybody that doesn't believe with their interpretation, um, insinuating then that the follower is not only rejecting the leader, they're rejecting the Bible itself and therefore forsaking God. So when you look at how the leader uh, eventually, through his exploitation maneuvers, becomes a control. You, it's just like it's just like this. When you watch a documentary on the Manson family, a lot of people will sit there and go, "How could they ever have followed that guy?" You know what I mean? But we, right. but then people who can sit down and say, "Look, I've studied cults for ten years, the way that I have, and I can tell you how these things form." If you were in that group from the beginning, if he caught you while well, you were as naive, or as you knew so little about what the Bible said, if you had been there and you'd felt this familial, beautiful embrace from the leader, trust me, you would have fallen for it, too. It's easy on the outside to say, no, I wouldn't. I was warned. I knew that guy was
0: nuts. Donna Howell and Allie Henson, uh, Dark Covenant, how the masses are being groomed to embrace the unthinkable while the leaders of organized religion make a deal with the devil. Allie, you talk about how society is being conditioned to embrace the unthinkable. Yes. What do you mean by that?
2: Well, being conditioned to embrace the unthinkable. Well, you know, Donna's talking about if Western Christianity is a leaderless cult and we're priming the past for the Antichrist to come in and take the throne. Well, we're talking about the Christian church. And so, when we're talking about, you know, the fact that these other cults have happened and the rest of the world could stand back after all of those people, um, died under Jim Jones's watch in Guyana and, um, and other, other kinds of travesties, you know, the rest of the world could stand back and say, That was, that was that group of people. You know, those people were quote unquote crazy or they were a cult and they were deceived or whichever spin you want to put on it. But this guy is not only going to condition the church and take the throne there, he's going to condition secular society. And in secular society, you know, there are a lot of people who have a very strong moral compass. They may not believe in God, um, but they do have a really good understanding of right and wrong, and they're very well-educated people. They're not just going to suddenly be completely blindsided and taken by... um, by a figure that just walks in and starts doing the kinds of things that the Antichrist will do. So this is a, this is a global conditioning that's happening both inside and outside the Church. So when I'm talking about, uh, you know, people being conditioned to embrace the unthinkable, I'm talking about, um, you know, w- when you have this situation where in every single angle it's ramping up, You know, people are being primed for the kinds of things that come before what the Antichrist will do. We have these situations where, for example, Christianity is becoming hate speech. So as Christianity increasingly becomes viewed as hate speech, the warning about the Antichrist, even those who spot him, you know, won't be listened to because they will already have been distanced from the politically correct um, crowd of regular society and been shoved over into a corner um, as those don't listen to those people. It's it's hate speech. And then we have things like, this gets a little bit Orwellian here, but talking about situations where this is through the COVID shutdowns and things like that, our populace started to begin to be pit against each other. So my neighbor... You know, I'm going to report my neighbor for something that he did that I don't agree with or things like that. And in the situation of hate speech, you know, you have world right now that are are making laws about the kind of language that can even be spoken in the privacy of the home. So children are being encouraged to report their parents for what might be deemed as hate speech happening in the home, even at the dinner table. You know, this is a kind of dividing of our population that's going to happen one from the other. And as we lose our unity, increased depravity will be accepted. And we also have other things paving the way for the beast society, like um, the cashless society becoming more of a thing. And I believe that there are powers that are polarizing factions of people against each other right now, which I've kind of mentioned already, but it's happening in lots of different ways. And society is being split by demographic and by religion and basically anything that any one person may stand for. It's being something that right now is being used to kind of hijack people's passions and divide them. Children are being conditioned to accept increasing levels of depravity. They're definitely conditioning going after our children right now. And what a previous generation would have said is, is completely immoral, is being served to them as completely normal, and they're being conditioned to accept it. There's a war on churches. During the COVID shutdowns, we saw religious espionage. And then there's just increasing things that are becoming more of a conversation that's being floated, like legalizing euthanasia and things like that, before we can get all the way to what the Antichrist will want to do, we've got to jump some of these hurdles and get the populace all across the globe on board for all of it. So when we're talking about people being groomed to embrace the unthinkable, we're talking about, from secular society's point of view, we're talking about it on the political level, on the social level, on the psychological level, on the behavioral level, as it pertains to conditioning our children, and
0: on the religious level. Right. It's, it's it, The church is fighting a, a two-front war from within and from without. Donna Howell and Ali Henson are with us. Dark Covenant, how the masses are being groomed to embrace the unthinkable while the leaders of organized religion make a deal with the devil. We'll take a quick out, come back, and more of our conversation. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. We're back with Don Howell and Allie Henson, Dark Covenant, how the masses are being groomed to embrace the unthinkable while the leaders of organized religion make a deal with the devil. So what is happening right now to many of us seems surreal, this descent into a dystopian nightmare, but it also seems very familiar because we've – it's like a movie we've seen before or a science fiction book, it, you know, Soylent Green or, or – you mentioned Orwell, 1984. Is that predictive programming, those science fiction movies, Orwell's 1984, were they priming the pump, or is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? How does that work?
2: Well, we kind of entertain that idea a little bit in the book, and the truth is it's tough to tell whether it's from the idea that people dream up in the sci-fi that things then come to be or if it's predictive programming uh, programming um, I, I will say this though and we make this statement in the book we are living the sci-fi our grandparents were afraid of and we actually used sci-fi to kinda talk about where we could be going and the reason why is because when we're looking at sci-fi it, it, it begs three questions where have we been where are we now and where are we going so for example I talk about where we've been we used to be a society that, um, you know, would dream of things like the Motorola flip phone. And, you know, that was that was in Star Trek actually inspired that invention. The Jetsons with the little, um, you know, the TV, the video chatting, and now we have that everywhere. And And the thing that really will restrain mankind from going anywhere, there are two obstacles that will keep us from doing anything we dream up, and that is will technology permit it? And will our level of depravity versus legality allow it, um, or depravity versus morality? Um, and and basically, if technology allows it, we'll go there on some level, unless our call to morality or or our, our legality will will stop us from going there. And so, when we when we look at what we've dreamed up in the past as you mentioned, the predictive programming, we actually do usually end up going there in some way or another. Now, there is a realm of sci-fi that we just haven't we haven't got to, and maybe it'll never happen. But a lot of what we were dreaming of in previous decades um, has actually come true. And another thing that's happened that we can see through the media, and I'm going to use this example of the movie Whatever Happened to Baby Jane with Betty Davis in, it, in 1960, uh, yes. And um, she's mad at her sister, and she's going to call her sister an expletive that is defined as a female dog. And she gets really upset, and she says, you miserable. Then she mouths the word, but she doesn't even say it. And the buzzer that's part of the plot comes in over the top of her. So you see her mouth mouth the word, but the buzzer goes, eh, so she doesn't actually have to say it, because to speak that word in that movie would have been intolerable in 1960. Now, fast forward to even as recently as last year, there is a television uh, i see my, my I'm dating myself now, my age, we still call it television. It's a streaming show. <laughs> um and it's um it's a comic books um kind of superhero type character. Teenage boys specifically, it's very marketed toward the teenage um toward the teenage age. And this show has pornography going on in it. So the people are sitting in the show on the couch, and they're talking, and then they're watching porn in the show. Then the camera will angle onto the screen and show the porn they're watching. And this happens in several different episodes of this show. And, you know, so we've gone from an era where Betty Davis had to mouth the word with the buzzer going over the top of her because she wasn't allowed to even actually utter the word. Fast forward, and we're showing full-on pornography in our comic book superhero shows that are geared toward children. Mm
0: -hmm. And there
2: are some people out there that might say, you know, this Allie Henson, she's just a conservative Bible-believing Christian. I'm sure it's not that bad. But uh, an author for Cosmopolitan wrote about this series and said that the sex scenes in this show were so messed up that they seared the inside of her eyelids with visuals she could never scrub off of them. So, and Cosmopolitan is a pretty liberal magazine. So, yes. this isn't just me being, you know, overly prude. This is me saying, within a series of decades, we have gone from technology we never thought would be possible, and a level of depravity we would never dreamed would be possible. And now here we are. So, well, there's no where question. are we it's going satanic. next?
0: It's satanic. <laughs> the mighty Aphrodite and I, that's my lovely bride, a few months ago, we decided, I mean, we don't watch much TV. So we watched, rewatched, I suppose, the old Dick Van Dyke series, you know, separate beds, 1960s, such uplifting, wonderful messages, just to Mm -hmm. kind of, I guess, cleanse our palate, if I can use that expression. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe what's pouring out of Hollywood, other than it's just satanic. That's all. To what extent? Does this technology that you were talking about earlier, social media, we can throw that in there as well, feed the Antichrist system?
1: That's a short answer. uh, Identifying how all of it is possible, everything that he's going to use to reach the masses. It partly also relies on identifying how the human appetite has actually demanded the steps to be put in place for this kind of technology as well. So we stomp our feet for... Global conveniences and technology that put us in touch with anybody on the earth at the snap of a finger in any language that we decide can be instantaneously translated. We have instantaneous currency conversion. We have flights to anywhere in the world any day of the year. We have individualistic consumer trends and international trade, so online shopping and that sort of thing. Uh, everything that is immediate is feeding our reliance upon that immediacy for everything that we do, including media streaming across devices, no matter where we are, user uploaded entertainment and information trading, on and on and on and on the go- that list goes. So we lose sight that these conveniences are also laying the groundwork for Everybody, you know, back in the 90s, uh, I remember that a lot of people were at the one world order, the one world order. It's a one world everything scenario. We're becoming linked into kind of a hive mind. Uh, these things that you see, like for instance on the Johnny Depp film Transcendent or Transcendent Man, whatever that one's called, um, that, that particular movie, they, all of the characters upload their, um, their intellect, their cognitive capability into a hive mind. So it's kind of like everybody looks at that now and they're like, oh, come on, that doesn't exist. We are very much getting there right now. We're already there in a one-world-everything scenario with things that we participate in, and this is exactly uh, one of the ways that the uh, Antichrist will come to power. He will be seen everywhere, and his words will be understood in every global language. So it's just one of the many. He'll use technology and every capability that that he possibly can, including the Abomination of Desolation, which Allie remembers. There's a there's a a, a set of movies back from the 1970s where um, oh, yeah. the Abomination of Desolation is like a, a robot. It's an AI that's sitting in the temple. Well, mm-hmm. it's not even going to need to be that archaic. By the time this this thing comes to fruition. It, The abomination could be any number of different kind of artificial intelligence or biological intelligence that's artificially integrated.
0: Well, let me ask you about... um,
1: Oh, go ahead.
0: I was going to... we got about two minutes here before, two and a half minutes before the break, but... Oh, okay. The Antichrist, do we need a third temple to be built? Because the way you're describing the church, you know, the the super church, the silent church, um and and the Antichrist taking that over, maybe maybe you know, the, the prophecy about the construction of a third temple isn't even necessary. Maybe what they're talking about is the Church, as in the Western Church. Is that possible?
1: We didn't go into deep uh, analysis on that particular terminology in this book, but we have talked about that, and that is certainly a possibility. Just the number of of, of different uh, the number of different moments throughout uh, Israel's history and in coming into uh, the history of Christianity since 2,000 years ago, all kinds of symbolisms and different things that we've discovered from, have had their prophetic fulfillment in a way that wasn't necessarily expected. Now, with would, would the, the rebuilding of the Third Temple, that might be a literal thing, um, is there a way that that could be fulfilled outside of the literal brick-by-brick brick prophecy? Uh, it's very possible. And that's one of the things that we need to, to, to continue to talk about and think about and postulate about. We don't have to have every answer in the book, but we do need to start asking every question from the pulpit and getting people engaged in the conversation. Because, again, if 13% of people in the West are reading their Bibles, 87% don't even know what we're talking about half the time. And I don't want to talk over people's heads. I want them to know the gospel. So, you know what I'm saying? We need to engage. Right, right.
0: Well, the other thing that's happening, and you point this out in the book, uh, uh, Donna and Allie, is all this, you know, uh, Christians now trolling each other on social media and and sort of trying to tear each other down and prove, you know, oh, you don't know the Bible as well as I know the Bible. And they'll start exchanging, you know, well, what will, uh, you know, uh, Matthew... Uh, chapter this and verse says this ah but what about Daniel and and I mean some of that might be healthy but it seems to be more of a kind of a got you game that's going on right now uh, we'll, we'll, I'll get you to pick up on that on the other side I see we're we're due for a break here uh, Donna Howell and Ali Henson Dark Covenant how the masses are being groomed to embrace the unthinkable while the leaders of organized religion make a deal with the devil back with more of our conversation right after these Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. And we are back with Donna Howell and Allie Henson, Defender Publishing, Dark Covenant. Uh, Before the break, Donna and Allie, I was talking about um, Christians kind of trolling each other now on social media and and kind of playing this uh, one-upsmanship, throwing around Bible quotes. and, And what's that all about? Is that... Is that uh i don 't know satanic in any way is 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 the devil trying to turn us against each other or what's happening
2: well i I absolutely think that it is satanic and i i think that it is a tactic from the enemy to get the church to um you know, divide amongst itself, and we're not focusing on the Great Commission if we're busy fighting with each other about who best understands Matthew 5-5, or whatever Scripture we're debating that day. Um, I also think that... um, you know, the technology that we have, um, you and Donna were kind of talking a little bit about this a minute ago, and I was at the time going to throw in some of the technology serves to divide people because we're depersonalized when we're isolated behind our computer screen. I'm going to be a lot meaner on, on Facebook than I would be face-to-face with you because I have to make eye contact with you and read your body language and see that my words are disturbing you. But when I can just pop off with a real fast little ha-ha, look at me, I'm right, kind of a comment, a lot of people allow that to create a bigger division between humanity, and honestly, that's a disservice of technology. But on top of that, something that Donna and I talked about at length in the book um, is we talked about all the different manipulation tactics that are be done, being done both in the Church and in society at large. We name these and we explain how they work in an interpersonal relationship, and we explain how they work in um, in society. And one yeah. of those tactics we a is bit about polarizing. And
0: there are others. Yeah.
2: What's, what's that?
0: I'm saying yeah. We talked a little bit about conditioning, which is one of them. But but there is, as you say, in the book. Let's walk through a few of those.
2: Yeah. One of them is um, polarizing and dividing the crowd, um, and often in the in in society, this is done by factions. Um, you know, get people each to belong to a different faction, and pretty soon a community that should be together and united and together is fighting over demographics or factions or causes, and it's, it's, it divides us. Well, the Church is doing the same thing. That's one of the tactics that we discussed in the book.
0: All right. Uh, can you share another one with us?
2: Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So, another one. This is, um, this is used more often in sales is where we would recognize it. But, um, foot in the door and door in the face. So, here's how these two work. They're kind of the same but opposite. Foot in the door is if I want ten dollars from you, I'm going to come to you and I can and I'll say, hey, can I have two dollars? And if you give me two, I'll come back and say, hey, now can I have three? And you give me three, and I come back and I say, hey, now can I have five? I don't come out and ask for the whole ten dollars. I get you in these little pieces. That's foot in the door. The idea is once my foot's in the door, it's harder to tell me
0: no. The yeah, other that's how the left in works. The faith. That's all. That's What's how that? the, the radical progressives work. Is they push a little bit, then you resist, mm-hmm. and then they ease off. And as soon as you relax a little bit, because they've eased off a little bit, then they come at you again and they push a little bit further. And before you know it, you're taking little half steps backwards, but you think you're standing still. And before you know it, you know, you're, you're you've moved backwards five, six, seven, eight steps and then they, they're relentless. They keep coming. They keep yeah. coming, pushing, yeah, testing. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: One of the ways that we talked about how this is happening in society is that, um, you know, for example, um, with some of the TV programming again we talked a lot about media in this book because what's happening in media is a reflection of where society is going mentally but one of the things they'll do they'll put up something very scandalous and then they'll dial it back so now the conversation's happening even if there's a big pretend public apology and they take it down or oh that was an accident you know the the conversation has been introduced to the crowd and now once the conversation has been introduced, you can shape it by programming people with the right thing. And, you know, don't forget that 90% of the media that we see is owned by six key voices. This is a reigning civil oligarchy that's programming our people every day. And so what I mean by that is they can introduce an idea through some scandalous news story or through some movie that was very offensive, and then they can style it back. Now that this conversation's happening, because they own uh, so many of this so many different kinds of media with these same six voices. They own both the news media outlets and the movies and the streaming services and the printed magazines. Pretty soon, the same idea is popping up everywhere. And where it might be scandalous over here, it's getting romanticized over there. And over here, it's in the news. And all of a sudden, a person can look at this and say, wow, this is a new hot topic. It's everywhere. No, it's not. Those six voices are pushing it, but you think it's everywhere Mm -hmm. because they're trying to condition you to embrace it.
0: Excellent point. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right out of the Communist Manifesto as well. It's called it's called Gradualism.
2: So they're, well, um, they're rebranding it, and they're calling it streaming out shows. There you go. <laughs> and there,
0: there you go. Magazines.
1: <laughs> Super briefly, so how, here's the other thing. Pluralism yeah. as a societal term, not as a theological term, because that means something else, but as a societal term, pluralism, when it works, Means that a Christian can live next door to a Buddhist who can live next door to a Muslim who lives next door to a Hindu. Nobody is coerced to worship in the same way that anyone else does. Okay, now that is not the same goal as syncretism. Syncretism as a societal and a theological term is the blending of all world religions into one. The statement that says Jesus accepts, or excuse me, God accepts all the worship uh, that's out there, all the world religions. Um, the idea that he would accept them all is still not quite what we're talking about. The idea that they will one day be blended into an uber-global religion, that's something that is uh, is currently being Fed on a very, very deeply uh, psychological level, in a very foot-in-the-door kind of way, by not only people in the in the uh, United States government, government, but also people like uh, in in very, very high religious uh, places are 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 vying for this. More, the idea right, that they we call it
0: ecumenicalism. It, um, it, it's a real it, fancy buzzword these days. We'll uh, we have this was a short segment. We'll uh, come back and we'll have about ten minutes to bring it on home. Donna Howell, Allie Henson from Defender Publishing, Dark Covenant: How the masses are being groomed to embrace the unthinkable, while the leaders of organized religion make a deal with the devil. Back with more in a minute. Don't go away. Taking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Donna Howell, Ali Henson, Dark Covenant. We were talking about, I, I believe you were talking about sort of the ecumenical um, movement. So the idea here is to create this, you know, we talked about the New World Order. There's a, a or a, a one world church. This would be the super church. So what is the role then of this super church? Uh, when the beast system or the antichrist system is is implemented,
1: well, uh, so it, uh, honestly, it's going to be postulated as some kind of an, a pluralistic, peaceful society. But it is going to be, uh it, it's going to be the most convincing and deceptive cult of all, and it's going to have members who look like and act like regular, everyday people who follow Christ and following christ uh which normally as of uh, as of today still requires reading and understanding the bible the church of tomorrow is going to be listen and follow the leader and it's going to be everywhere uh the word prestidigitation, it means uh while i'm showing you something my right hand is doing my left hand has slipped in a, a, the ace up the sleeve or or vice versa and what's happening is a lot of these um, governmental superpowers including religious superpowers they are, they're completing an act of prestidigitation. They're showing you pluralism as a societal goal on one hand, while they're slipping in syncretism on the other. Or ec- ecumenicalism, that, 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 that could be another synonymous word, but the idea is the blending of all forms of worship into one. And when the Antichrist does come, he's not only gonna do this religiously, he's going to do it politically and socially. He's gonna have the answers to world hunger, global strife, disease, racial inequality, class inequality, gender inequality, and countless other philanthropic and humanitarian efforts that this world, a religiously and so socially and politically fragmented world, has never been able to solve. So he's going to stand up and have a lot of answers. He's going to be very deceptive. And that church is going to be global everywhere
0: right and we're going to be all so beaten down by that point we'll welcome it
1: well yeah when he has the answers even to the even to the christian who says are you are you sure that my religion is hate speech he's going to come in and say no 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 everybody needs to calm down and he's going to smooth it over even in that regard
0: hmm. so how is the church to respond then how do we how do we i mean or, and or can we i mean isn't this all sort of Prophesied, isn't this part of the the great scheme that this is supposed to happen this way? That the church is the harlot, and the harlot will be consumed by the beast, and and then there'll be this final battle. I mean, we we know how the movie ends,
1: right? And well, there's actually awesome. um, go for it, Allie.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, one thing about this book is that we are talking to the Church and to the secular world. Um, half of what's in this book has nothing to do, it has everything to do with how the secular world is being conditioned, and the Church needs to know it, too. But even if you are not a Bible-believing Christian, there's a lot about
0: oh, refused. Sorry, Allie, we're cutting in and out there a little bit. Refused, Maybe, Donna, you want to pick myself. up on that? I'm i think so um, um, Allie's uh, signal is cutting in and out a little bit.
1: I think oh, what Allie's trying to say is that it, this book, is it, it, there are things, even if you're not a Bible-believing Christian, this book right. is showing you some of these kinds of manipulation, psychological and societal manipulation tactics that are being implemented all the way uh, across the board. But to answer your first question, don't we know how the book ends? Yeah, that is true, and that is an eventual reality. But there's also a theology of the delaying of the wrath of God. And we need to remember that that's not a very often spoken of thing, but and, and it's very long, this segment's very short, we're near the end, I will tell you that the book goes into it more, but the bottom line is that it is our responsibility to try as long as possible to put off the wrath of God. The wrath of God is going to happen, He said it would happen, He's not a capricious or an inconsistent God, but the idea that we could and should put it off and delay it in the same way that it was delayed for Nineveh, in the same way that it was delayed for King Hezekiah, there is a wrath of God coming, but it's our responsibility to be active in a culture where we can go against the grain stand for holiness in a world just like the Israelites versus the pagans, we should be in a position to stand for what is morally correct, regardless of whether or not we're Christians or not. We should be standing for what is morally correct in the hopes that we can, in fact, delay what Christians would identify as the wrath of God and what secular minds would uh, identify as a, a, a very kind of apocalyptic society that we're heading towards rapid pace as for the secular world,
2: refuse to be uh, conditioned. Watch what's going on with your kids. We've got an entire chapter on the education indoctrination that's going on with our children right now. They are being conditioned, whether you're a Christian or not. People are working on conditioning your children to accept things that you are not okay with as their parent um be aware of that um fight against that and stand against that. You know watch what's going on in society we don't We don't need to, go to a cashless society i mean there's all these things that people are like, "Well, does the temple need to be rebuilt does does Do we need to have the wrath of God? One of the things that we know is going to happen is we'll be at a cashless society and we're ninety nine percent there you know so that 's one of the things that we can you know try to it's it's silly and practical in a way, but just you know try to carry Do you back get the sense that, more that finally active in society uh, and, and with that kind of
0: stuff right Do you see, you get a sense though that finally people are and both secular people and within the church and the different religions everyone this might be kind of a one of the things that's unifying us is we're finally kind of pushing back we 're seeing uh, the rise of populist uh Uh, movements, particularly in in Europe right now, people, uh, they want their culture, they want their faith, they want, you know, they want government out of their lives. We're seeing it here as a reaction to COVID. As I speak, we have this huge truck convoy for freedom that is descending on Ottawa. By some reports, there may be something like 50,000 trucks heading to Ottawa to end all of these mandates. Um, So that we are getting a pushback, maybe it's more of a secular pushback. But do you do you sense that? The tide seems to be turning a little bit.
2: I feel it is. I feel that awareness is raising, and I think that, again, as we've been saying, the Church, I think, has a revolution beginning. And I also feel that secular society is starting to stand up and say, you know, I mean, for example, medical autonomy has never been so under threat as it is right now, and that's not a religious issue. Some people think it's, you know, simultaneous with the Church, but it's not. There are people who are not within the Church who want to stand for medical autonomy and say, I you know, I don't want to to take these different so I think that you know the the powers that be are going to try to take as much control as we will give them without a fight, and I'm not talking about you know a, a, a bearing arms kind of fight. I'm talking like you're you're talking about pushback, being aware, watching for these manipulation tactics, and, and spotting them when they happen, and saying, "Oh, I I, I know that tactic. I'm going to fight back against that." You know, it's happening in the secular world, and it's happening in the church.
1: Yeah, and well, one last done? thing on that note. I'll I'll Just one super quick thing. We do need to be aware. It starts with awareness, but it also starts with action. And you asked me a few minutes ago, Richard, well, what do we do? Okay, we also need to start thinking outside the box. Everybody comes to this idea, okay... I feel convicted, I need to do something about it, I guess I need to join a church. And then they go join a church, and the pastor says, thank you for joining our church, you can go work in the nursery. And they go, ah, oh, never mind, I, God didn't call me for anything. We need to start getting radically outside the four walls of the institutional church with our message. So yes. we're talking about a church that follows the New Testament model, passionate New Testament apostolic model, but that, that operates outside outside the churches that are, are, are only open from Sunday morning at, you know, 8 to, to noon. We need to get outside the box. Acts 2-4 states that although the apostles did continue to attend temple, they also, quote, broke bread in their homes, received their food with glad and generous hearts. My husband and I opened up our home, and we have seen several people get saved. We've seen several people come to the knowledge of Scripture that they didn't know before, entirely based on the idea that we opened up our home, and we called it dinner, and that took off. So the book does give a lot of other uh, ideas as as far as that's concerned.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, we definitely Uh, need to have
2: a generation of churches that when they close your Sunday morning church service down, they haven't closed your church. Mm. That's right. Well...
0: Yeah, we're going underground if need be.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Dark, dark Covenant. The masses are being groomed to embrace the unthinkable while the leaders of organized religion make a deal with the devil. Donna and Ali, thank you so much. And this is Defender, available at SkywatchTV.com, is it?
1: TV Store. Thank you so much, Richard. It was a pleasure being on with you again.
0: Likewise. Yeah, thank thank you. you, Donna and Ali. All right. When we come back, Gail Lynn, inventor, author, intuitive, spiritual teacher, business leader, and the creator of something called the Harmonic Egg. We'll have that story for you next. Stay with us.
1: Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio.